0: going on guys my take radio episode number 376 powered by rageworks broadcasting live Thursday October 27th 2016 I'm your host Rich and our call in number to participate in tonight's show is 347 324 3541 again that call in number 347 324 3541 If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show airing Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. On Wednesday nights, we cover MMA and wrestling, and Thursdays we shift gears, talk gaming, entertainment, and a little tech for good measure. As always, this show can be watched, listened to, and participated with by heading over to mtrlive.com, where we have 96K stereo audio feeds, Simulcast via Mixler, as well as video being simulcast to YouTube Live, Twitch, StreamUp, Up, Vaughn Live, and Daily Motion. In addition to that, of course, if you are using any of those other services, I unfortunately do not have chat windows for all of those. So again, I direct you back to MTRLive.com and you can participate in the chat there. This episode, as well as any of our past episodes, as always, can be found on RageWorks.net. In addition to that, video is available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks, and audio is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can also use our call-in number to listen to tonight's show. Just don't hit option one to enter the caller queue, and you can listen that way. But if you want a better quality audio feed, you can download the Mixler app for Android and iOS devices. Punch in my take radio, and you can listen to the show live in high quality stereo sound as well. All right, with that out of the way, a couple of announcements that we want to get into. Um, for those of you that don't catch our MMA and wrestling show, I made a couple of announcements, which obviously, if you listen to both shows, it's a little repetitive. But uh, for those that listen to one over the other, I am. Making a couple of announcements regarding schedule changes, MTR, and a few other things. So, first and foremost, schedule changes is the first thing we got to acknowledge. As you know, we did not have any shows last week since we were covering uh, Consumer Electronics Week, um, Photo Plus Expo, Synology Expo, a mixture of events. Obviously, if you were following us on social media, you saw some of our coverage from those events. Uh, Next week is going to be a full week of shows as usual. But the following week, the week of November 7th, there will not be any shows on that Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, We're going to be covering two events. Actually, three things we're going to be covering. We're going to be doing NAB. We're also hopefully going to be doing CES Unveiled. And we're supposed to also be attending an event for Lee Technologies and their uh, litany of things that they plan to unveil here in New York City. And on Friday... Uh, We will also be at the UFC 205 weigh-ins, and Saturday I celebrate my wedding anniversary, so uh, lots of stuff going on, thus no shows the week of November 7th. Excuse me. We will be back the following week, and then we will be off again that week after because of the Thanksgiving holiday, so you got shows at the beginning of the month and the middle of the month, but there will not be any shows, obviously, the week of Thanksgiving due to the holiday Um, in any case, I did want to also mention, uh, some other plans that I addressed during last night's show, which are first and foremost, as many of you know, I, you know, we've been doing MTR live now, I believe since episode 100 with, uh, audio, with live audio, then uh, with video shortly after. And, um, after a lot of thinking, I've decided that in 2017, Uh, we will not be doing live broadcasts, at least not on a consistent basis, maybe special shows, uh, special editions, etc. But we will not be doing live broadcasts. And this is for a couple of different reasons, which I'll get into uh, before the year is out. But first and foremost, I just feel that trying to manage a live video broadcast during the hours that we do it is a little bit more uh, Time-consuming and it also takes focus away from some of the other stuff. Obviously, running RageWorks and getting additional shows, et cetera, et cetera. And I got to make sure that I'm giving you guys the best content possible across all fronts. And if it's a matter of babysitting a live show, which you guys can still listen to in podcast format anyway, I think it's um, it's it's easy. It's an easy thing to you know, look at and realize that, you know, we got to pivot and continue to evolve. Again, it's not the end of MTR. As I said during last night's show, it's just a matter of shifting focus and being able to do some of our other content on a more consistent basis. MTR will still be done. Uh, It'll just be recorded and released. um, Probably the same release schedule Wednesdays and Thursdays, um, maybe even Tuesdays, depending on how it goes, maybe after we uh, Smackdown ends. I'll record the show for MMA and wrestling and then obviously do gaming and entertainment. Um, Slick is still going to be doing shows with me. We're still going to be doing that stuff. Like I said, it just will not be in a live format. You'll still be able to get all the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Um, with regards to the video going on YouTube, I'm probably not going to do live video when we record the shows, maybe save that for special occasions, but you still will be able to find the shows in our on our YouTube channel as well. So, you know, there's uh, a couple of changes. Obviously, they're pretty big, but we will flesh things out more so uh, before the year is out. Uh, In any case, as I said, uh, we got MTR shows this week, no shows next week. Then we're back the following week, and then we'll be off for the Thanksgiving holiday. I believe for December, we're probably going to do shows the first two weeks, And then the last two weeks of the year we'll wrap it up. And then obviously maybe we'll do one final show at the beginning of 2017, just to remind you guys that we're shifting to a, uh, to a full podcast format. But aside from that, the intention is to move away from full-time live broadcasts in January. But again, it's not the end. It's uh, the beginning of a, of a different chapter and a new evolution for MTR. That's for sure. Uh, In addition to that, for those of you that have been following the, sla- the slight changes on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, you guys know that by now uh, the transition is probably complete for the Rageworks Network. So you no longer have to look for My Take Radio specifically. You can just look for Rageworks and find the Rageworks Network and all the shows. Which, if you've been keeping up with what's been going on, you know that there are new episodes of The Varian Issue with myself and Jimbo Slice. Um, In addition, the MMA and wrestling edition of MTR, the gaming and entertainment edition, which will go up within the next 24 to 48 hours after we wrap up today's broadcast. And of course, a new TRSS and a brand new episode of Call Me When It's Over. So you got a full slate of shows. There's going to be something for everyone. And that's something that we're definitely going to continue to build upon going forward. All right. With that said, that is the housekeeping for this week. As for what's on topic tonight, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Slick and I are going to get into that. We're going to take a deep dive, um, especially because it was announced while we were off air that week. I want to talk about some of the, my uh, my impressions, my thoughts on it. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about the latest announcements from Microsoft. I want to get into the Apple announcement because it does tie into gaming a bit, as does the Microsoft announcement with the new Surface desktop, as well as the uh, built-in streaming capabilities powered by Beam. Uh, we're going to get into the other gaming news of the week. I'm sure Slick is going to have his own stuff to add as well. Plus, on the entertainment side, we're going to talk box office totals and some casting news and the rest of the entertainment news of the week as usual. As always, if you want to participate, mtrlive.com, participate via chat, or you can call in 347-324-3541, 347 324 four one. All right, let's get to it and jump into some gaming, shall we? So on the gaming side, obviously, the big buzzword is the Nintendo Switch, which I'll address in a few minutes. And we actually have a couple of decent titles that are coming out this month. We got Titanfall, which is going to come out today. Uh, Hopefully I'll be able to pick that up and review it. Uh, We're finalizing some reviews on a couple of other things, Uh, Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse, and um, my Gears review, which is a little overdue, and a few other things, but I definitely want to get my hands on Titanfall 2. I enjoyed the beta, I thought it was awesome, and um, hopefully I can get a review for that done as well. Uh, The other thing I did want to mention is that the first week of November, Target is going to be running their buy two, get one free on the gaming you know, on the gaming side of things. And we've talked about this a couple of times over the last few weeks that if you're on the fence about picking up any games, you got, you know, right. You know, we got the holidays right around the corner and some new and some really good deals do pop up, found out that target will be doing the buy to get one free, which right now with all the games that are currently out and I believe it's going to be the weekend of uh, starting I believe November 5th. So that weekend, it's either going to be that Sunday, November 6th, or that I don't think it's going to be announced at the end of this coming Sunday, but I think it's going to be the sales going to start October, uh, November 6th. You'll be able to get in on the buy two get one free. Like I said, you got a lot of good titles out. You got the battlefield, uh, Titanfall, you know, a decent number of, of solid titles or, or any of the stuff that you may have missed. You'll be able to get in on that buy two get one free deal. Obviously, I know some of you guys are probably going to hold out to Black Friday, but if you want to get any of those new titles that just dropped and you want to save a couple of dollars, then maybe the buy two, get one free deal may be for you. Now, with that said, me personally, I I don't really use the Target buy two, get one free anymore. And that's because I started doing the, uh, the Best Buy Gamers Club, which I've talked about numerous times. I'm not you know i'm not paid to say it or any of that shit so rest assured it's a genuine fat it's a genuine opinion um you know you pay 30 bucks for 2 years you save 20% on any game you purchase um plus some other special sales that they give to people that are members of the gamers club at the end of the day new games you end up picking them up for i believe it's 45 bucks right slick usually 45 to 47 uh with the discount which is you know it's a nice it's a nice savings and you got to look at it this way. If you're paying, let's say, 45 just to keep it, you know, for, 90, for less than $100, you're buying two new games and saving some change. Obviously, it doesn't carry over to accessories, but saving money on games, and this applies to all games, not just new ones, any game. Any game you buy with the Best Buy Gamers Club, you will save money on. I'm curious, though. How that's gonna work if there's any crazy deals on Black Friday? I don't remember offhand if I if that savings applied last year. I'm gonna ask Slick when I bring him in to see if that is the case. But I do know that when they do any specials, like if a game is twenty nine ninety nine, and you know your Gamers Club discount still applies, so I do feel that the 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 service itself is you know there's value. I, like I said, it's thirty bucks for two years, and the amount of money you save if you buy games on a fairly frequent basis will it'll pay for itself within within your first three or four titles, easy. So if you have a local Best Buy in your area, check it out. I know Amazon Prime is doing something similar. If you're a Prime user, I believe you're saving. I want to say fifteen to twenty percent, but I but I feel it's only on newly released titles and not with re, with regards to any existing titles versus the Best Buy Gamers Club, where you save money on every game, whether it's the $20 game that got marked down or the $50 game that came out a day ago or the $60 game or the $80 bundle, whatever the case may be, you are saving money. So again, not a bad deal. And um, I'm going to bring Slick on board. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk Nintendo Switch, and we're going to break down the gaming news of the week. So let's get to it. Mr. Slick, what's up? What's up, man? What's going on, buddy? How are you?
1: Oh, freaking burning a candle at both ends.
0: That's Square part of the job.
1: Did a shank slam on me today? How so? They just—I mean, it's Paris Games Week, and they just started unloading. Yep. <laughs> in terms of news.
0: Yep, I'm sure. I'm sure you know from all the emails I sent you.
1: <laughs> I. I didn't even I didn't even see them yet because I, I I got a lot of it from them and ah okay I um was covering I was covering some of it which I'm going to talk about in a second too okay well I but did I figured I let you you know start with what you were going to start with well you know
0: I wanted to start with the Nintendo Switch um obviously they announced it uh, last week while we were we were on break and. Part of the reason why I wanted to discuss this was just because of some of the initial stuff you shared with me, plus I watched the announcement, and a lot of people are very quick to write off what Nintendo's bringing to the table, and it bothers me only because one thing Nintendo has always done very, very well is create hardware, excluding the Virtual Boy, um, that people... Can easily pick up and play. And I think that the switch is bridging the gap between portable gameplay and console gameplay by giving people the freedom of choice. I'm not a hundred percent a fan of how the controller looks, but it also kind of keeps in line with what was established with the Wii U. And, you know, I felt, I felt that it's, it's very easy to say negative things off of a console that we've only seen on based on you know company fluff pieces. Obviously, we don't have any details on pricing, release date, etc. Uh, there are rumors that we may be seeing that uh, later today or next week. But before I I give my my full thoughts on it, I wanted to kind of pick your brain first and see where you stood with the announcement.
1: I was very happy with the announcement. I mean, yeah, they they showed three games which. You know, they may or may not be pulling the, you um, know, Kill Zone 2 trick right. for the, the PlayStation 3. But I, I don't believe they are. I mean, I, I think it's legit. And, I mean, we saw, we, I mean, we've seen plenty of, of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I've had a lot of people come to me with, oh, yeah, when well, they showed that, it was glitchy. Live demos are almost always glitchy, especially if you're playing this shit all day long. I agree. Which they did. I gotta turn off my speakers.
0: I think you know, and um, to to your point, to add to what you were saying, we are we're looking at an announcement, and they're leveraging the properties that are going to sell consoles. So I can't be I can't begrudge them too much for them. Using Zelda and Mario, you know the shit that people are gonna buy these systems for.
1: Exactly, it was Zelda, Mario, and the um, Sky uh, Skyrim. Right, but I, um, I mean they always go overboard with the presentation. Like, of course, the whole basketball shit. Yeah, but it's like the bottom line is you're gonna you're gonna play the shit.
0: Well, I mean the list of publishers, developers, and companies that are involved is substantially of a high, is, is of a higher quality I'll be honest than what the Wii U had I mean we got we're seeing you know companies like Activision in there Bandai Namco Capcom Bethesda EA uh you know all the usual Konami platinum games Sega Square Enix of course Take 2 Telltale THQ Nordic uh Ubisoft Warner Brothers so you know a lot of the big companies are are putting I mean, support
1: i'm sorry to cut you right here but did you see ubisoft i didn't see ubisoft and yes i i, I actually spoke on that because ubisoft there you know in the Wii use early days their president excuse me the president of ubisoft spoke out and literally shit on nintendo well
0: this is I'm going based on the, the list I received and it had Ubisoft listed there. But again, one thing to take okay. it, one thing to take into consideration, and I'm actually glad you stopped me with that, is the fact that all these companies are signing on board now. We saw all these companies sign on before when the original Wii was announced and every time that a, that a title was going to come out and a Wii U, a Wii, not a Wii U version, a Wii version was going to come out. It was always, oh, it's too late, or we're going to suspend development. So I look at this list, it looks great on paper, but we've been here before.
1: And I, I agree with what you're saying. It is a it is a wait-and-see type situation. Yep. But I, I, um, I'm i going to come back to, to Nintendo on this because there was something else that I wanted to talk about that's going to, transition back to Nintendo, so I'll I'll hold off on what I want to say with regard to that. Go ahead. Well, it'll take us completely off subject. Ah,
0: okay. Fair enough. I just, you know, I feel that what I saw from Nintendo was different as usual, was unique as usual. It's, It's textbook Nintendo. They come out, they create something that's really crazy, everybody kind of either loves it or hates it, and then either blatantly or in in a subtle sense everybody else copies what they're doing. We've seen this with the Wii U, yeah. which later we saw with the PlayStation Move, which later we saw it with the Connect, but I hate to say it, Nintendo kind of brought people to that party first on the home front. Absolutely. And I just, you know, for for people to to be so so adamant so quickly or so or have such vitriol out of the gate I was like, I was like, can't we just can't we just give it a shot and wait first How about that? Can we just enjoy the fact that Nintendo is still creating consoles and still trying to be relevant? You know, I mean, I, you know what I like? I like the people that write 20 years ago today, the Sega Dreamcast came out and it was an amazing system and blah, 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 de blah, blah, blah. And it's like if it was so good and so great and so amazing, why is it it's still here? You know what I'm saying? There you go. That's that's what always that's what that's what gets me with a lot of this. Like I understand when consoles end their life cycle. You know, Nintendo, PlayStation, PS2, etc., uh, etc. Et but when a company withdraws from the space because they just they just couldn't keep up or they didn't have the support of the general public, yes, you're gonna have your diehards. I still have my Dreamcast and I still fucking play it. But at the end of the day, my my money. Wasn't enough, you know, and neither was the money of the people that have those consoles to this day. And this is the thing that gets me. We always talk about speaking with our wallets. And I think we made it pretty fucking clear, the bulk of us, that nobody gave a shit about Sega. Am I right?
1: I I mean, essentially, yes. I mean, I was I, I was with Nintendo in that battle the whole way. Right. I, you um, know, I showed some love for Sonic. I was always a Nintendo fan. I always bought the Nintendo console, you know, back then you didn't have money to buy more than one console. Of course.
0: No, I, I get that. And, and you, you know, I don't want people to feel that I'm throwing, I'm throwing them under the bus or it's misplaced. I'm just saying that if you're of a certain camp in this case, obviously Nintendo, then you're going to support Nintendo products. But the people that supported Sega, clearly there weren't enough of us is what I'm saying so for those same people that were rooting for sega and hoping that sega would succeed and shit on nintendo it's like nintendo's fighting an uphill battle now and we're writing them off the same way and that's what trips me out because think about it when nintendo was at the top of the food chain nintendo was fighting off sega you know uh turbo graphics you know what i mean like it was fighting off These other companies that were trying to jump into a space that Nintendo owned with an you know that that had a uh, an iron fist on it you know they they pretty much ruled that 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 empire with an iron fist and then obviously Sony crept in Sega crept in and Nintendo was still fighting them off but we reached a point where you know PlayStation just ran away with the with the with the ball and at the end of the at the end of that it was it was essentially uh you know the creation of a of a new king in this case with Sony at the top of the food chain and yeah you know everybody's like oh the Sega Saturn is going to come out and and it's going to take it to Sony and again where where it, where where did the Saturn end up and this one is Saturn. exactly you know it's one of those things where it's in a time capsule somewhere that we launched into space and it's it's disheartening because we've come so far and the companies that have brought us to the dance, we we write them off. And you've you've heard me on numerous episodes say it. I want Nintendo to succeed. I want them to do well. Because it's still one of the last vestiges of our childhood that is fighting for relevance. Still. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're gonna they're gonna make money hand over fist with the 3DS, which as a matter of fact, they are gonna be putting out an Amazon exclusive one, allegedly, according to Game Informer. That's going to be a lime green version. That's going to come loaded with super Mario world. So once again, super Mario world, how old is that game? But we can still sell you a bundle with that game for 200 bucks and someone will buy it. True. You know, I just, you know, I was, I was just disheartened with, with the gaming, with the gaming public seeing that so quickly. It's like you guys were the same guys that were probably, that, that were probably complaining or or go on Reddit and go, yo man, Dreamcast was a dope system, yo. Really, it was. Where were you? Like, if you owned one, great. But if you didn't, you were part of the problem.
1: That's all there I'm saying. You go. I, when when Dreamcast came out, I was supporting. What was it? Either Nintendo 64 or GameCube,
0: right? Well, that was the, that was that transition, and that's what it was too. You know, Nintendo. They 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 played their position. And they stuck to what brought to what made them successful. You know, when everybody was going to CDs, they were still going to cartridges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And sure, you know, make whatever case you want. But at the end of the day, people will always talk about Mario and Sonic and Donkey Kong a lot quicker than they'll talk about Master Chief.
1: Absolutely. That's all I saying. think that's, that's going to be a thing for the foreseeable future well into the future.
0: Right and i and i only say this because we we don't get that anymore we don't get i don't i don't i don't i'm not saying that xbox or 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 or, or playstation need a cute and cuddly mascot or you know platformer platforming titles uh, you know in the same vein as mario and sonic to be relevant or powerful but at the end of the day it was those little things that helped nintendo and even sega stick out i mean when when Mario had a cartoon, Sonic had a cartoon, etc. 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 You know?
1: Yeah, man. So and yeah, it was funny because the Sonic cartoon was actually
0: better. There you go. <laughs> with with that said, uh, you know, to to wrap that portion up, I just I just want people to give the Nintendo Switch a chance. Let Nintendo put its full blueprint out there. We don't know price. We don't know availability. We don't really know a complete launch lineup yet. We, you know, these are all factors that we got to wait for. They could come out and say the Nintendo switch is going to be one ninety nine, and it's going to come out, you know, November 28th or December 1st. And that'll be that. And then at that point we'll make our own choices. Hey, we're going to launch with, you know, 24 titles, three, you know, 20, uh, 12 of them. That'll be triple a titles. And then the rest will be third party. We, we don't have anything we have. A, a, a cool video and some demo footage. That's it.
1: <laughs> I mean, but that's all we ever have. And like I said to someone earlier today, it's like, I'll wait till it actually comes out to, you know, give my final judgment.
0: Or at minimum, be able to play it at a kiosk
1: or, or go to a
0: go to yeah, an event saying, and get your hands
1: Nintendo, on it. Go to, to the Nintendo store or something.
0: Right. And check it out. There you go. So with that said, you, you had mentioned you had something you wanted to add to that. So I want to pitch it to you.
1: Oh, like I said earlier, Square Enix went hard today. Right. I wake up and I'm seeing, because, you know, because of the time difference, the Paris Games Week, they, um, they released a brand new trailer titled Omen for Final Fantasy 15, which was insane. Right. Uh, then they they had a game a couple of gameplay demos which unfortunately crashed. I'm sure I'm sure somebody's committing sepulchral right now. <laughs> but um, they showed you you played Final Fantasy Seven, right? Of
0: course, one of my favorites.
1: Well, they had a full battle with Noctis and his boys fighting the Midgar Zolem. Oh, geez. You remember that thing? Vaguely. The snake in the swamp that you couldn't get past, and if you tried to fight it, it freaking murdered you. Ah, okay,
0: okay. I'm a little rusty, because it's the been a few years. The
1: Golem has returned from Final Fantasy VII to Final Fantasy 15, which means it'll also be back in Final Fantasy VII Remake. There you go. But they showed a demo of that. I mean, yesterday they had the whole demo with the, um, the Mughal decoy, which I thought was hysterical. Then they showed um, a Chocobo race. Not shocked. And um, just when I thought I was done with that, they hit me with a brand-new challenge pack on Hitman called the Himapan Horror Pack.
0: That's right. I saw that.
1: I just just finished um, rendering the last video. I'm putting that together as we speak right now. I'll have a post up after the show with all the um, challenges on that. But basically... It takes the um, Club Twenty Seven mission from Bangkok and gives gives you challenges that, that basically the Halloween themed challenges that pay homage to The Shining. Gotcha. And um, then on top of that, still with Square Enix, they announced that even though they already did it for the PS3, they're remastering and re-releasing. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, 1.5, and, and 2.5 and for That's the right. PS4 coming out in March. Not shocked. All on one disc.
0: That is going to sell crazy, though, a fuckload. All
1: on one disc, though.
0: Oh, it shows Absolutely, how far we've come, dude. Probably
1: make a special edition.
0: Oh, hell yeah. There may even be a console bundle.
1: You never know.
0: I would not be shocked, then especially in Japan. The
1: opening, they showed the opening cinematic for Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Which comes out in in um, January, which again I'm like I, I said, you can hear the people in France screaming all the way over here, <laughs> just losing their minds. Nice. What I what I was saying earlier that I wanted to bring it back to Nintendo is that basically, I, and I, I say I say it all the time, i been saying the articles all year long. Square Enix has been trying to take over the world this year.
0: Yeah, they really, really
1: started at the end of last year, and they've been going hard all year long, and will continue to do so well into 2017 with all this Kingdom Hearts stuff and the Final Fantasy VII remake.
0: Yep, I-, I can agree with that.
1: Probably, probably with Hitman also because, like I said, Monday you have the season finale of Hitman, and they're planning on doing at least two more seasons of it. There you go. The um, what I was saying is that. Square Enix is tossing so much at the consumer that the consumer is complaining that Square Enix is tossing so much at them. Yeah, well. I had somebody actually say to me, somebody who's a Kingdom Hearts fan, they literally said, Stop. They're like, It's so much that I can't keep up. It's getting like Metal Gear.
0: Yeah, well, I mean it sounds like what, it, but I don't I don't I don't feel that way to a point. Only because obviously you don't have to start playing the game as soon as it comes out. You can play your other shit first, you know? But I but I understand in terms of content overload, that I can I can understand.
1: Yes, but that's exactly what I'm getting at. Never mind the fact that you have all these third party people on board. Right. Nintendo needs to flood the market with Nintendo shit. Even right. if you're rehashing Mario for the eight millionth time get it to the point where the consumer is saying it's too much. I, I can agree with that. That There's so much shit for that, for, for us to choose from strictly from Nintendo that people can actually say there's too much shit out there. I can agree people with that. For, for Square Enix saying that Square Enix has, is putting out too much. And that's a good thing because it means that, that The satisfaction level is so great that people can complain that, you know, you're shoving too much down our throats. It's like that image from that old Looney Tunes cartoon where the dog ate all the meat and they said, this time we remember the gravy.
0: That's right. I remember that with the funnel. This time we didn't forget the gravy.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And if Nintendo does that, shove some fucking Donkey Kong, Star Fox, um, Mega, well, not Mega Man, Metroid, Mario, Kirby, even you know Toad, because you, you've given us Toad separately, Kirby. Yep, you know all that. You know, just go crazy with it. You know, and, get the new titles out. When you don't have a fresh idea for a new title, do what the fuck Square Enix is doing. That's it. Do a, a freaking do a freaking Mario sixty four point five. It's it's remastered in HD. Yep. That's something that they've never really done.
0: Yep, Mario 64 would sell, you know, a remastered Super Mario RPG. Um there's 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 a I don't a,
1: know if they can do that though cuz that that was that was done by Rare.
0: Right, there's always uh, you know, money. <laughs> money the best superpower, but it's true. Not only that, but obviously the Pokemon franchise which um, you know, I I'm mentioning because they put out a trailer showing the, the final evolution for the starter Pokemon, but also Pokemon Sun and Moon are already being viewed as having the most historic pre-order metrics of any game. Um, according to what they said, uh, they announced, Nintendo said although it didn't disclose the numbers, they referred to the pre-order figures as a historic milestone.
1: And I believe it because, one, you know... It's a two-fold thing. You say Pokemon, it's like, it's like, what do you, <laughs> I remember in an old Eddie Murphy show, he said, Kenny Pedagraphs would perform bitches would throw the panties at him. But it's like, Nintendo says Pokemon, it's like that. They throw money at him.
0: I mean, the game, the game has.
1: It's, it's also, it's also Pokemon Go. I mean, as much as. As much as I can complain about it, Pokemon Go is, is revitalizing interest in right. Pokemon. That's correct. Which, you know, is not is not terribly difficult to do because it already was humongous.
0: Right. Well, they also, uh, you know, there they, they was smart strategy with Sun and Moon because obviously, you know, leveraging Pokemon Go, letting people play the, uh, the eShop demo, which... According to Nintendo's statement, had seen record downloads. Um, the demo had 3.5 million downloads within the first week in the store, which is more than any Nintendo 3DS eShop demo before it. Wow! On top of that, you got to remember they 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 are obviously putting out all this stuff, and the game drops November 18th. So think about it; they've positioned themselves in a very good in a very good place because. Obviously, you're not going to be able to grab the two games during the whole, like I said, the whole target buy to get one free, which is good because you want to get that genuine full value purchase. In addition, by positioning the release on the 18th, you can leverage the the shopping crowds the following week for Black Friday.
1: And I'm, I'm kind of shocked, I mean, I think I saw one thing, but I'm kind of shocked that there is no, at least yet, no DS bundle, but... Yet. Um, <laughs> exactly. That could pop up tomorrow, too.
0: That is correct. I think I think that the fact that the game, that the demo had 3.5 million downloads and that Nintendo, without disclosing any figures, is saying that the game already has reached a historic milestone. It It raises a question of... Obviously, how far is Nintendo going to go with the 3DS as a handheld? Because think about it. Now you have this brand new system in the Switch that is going to be both portable and home-based. Now, that's one thing a lot of people didn't really dig too deep into, which is how portable are we talking? You know, Are we talking Wii U yeah, portable the to the couch?
1: Be a big thing.
0: Of course. But I'm sure it is. But it's like, are we talking Wii U portable to the couch? Or are we talking, throw it in your bag and play it on the train?
1: They're, they're claiming, at least from, you know, from a video, that it's throw it in your bag and right. play it on the train. Because they had a kid playing on a plane.
0: Right. But but again, you know, we're, we're, we're going back to what we said before. We're talking about video, you know, doctored up video that's put out there. I'm talking about real world execution. Because if Nintendo was smart, they would go and they would leverage this console... The same way Amazon leverages their fire tablets, meaning that Nintendo would be able to obviously offer all their their gaming content, but also offer uh, Nintendo, you know, first party stuff like, you know, Pokemon cartoon uh, reruns and uh, the old old Nintendo shows. You know what I'm saying? Like they would leverage that and create a content marketplace that goes beyond just the gaming. And in doing that, they create a system that is not only versatile, but is also capable of meeting the demands of additional content consumption.
1: Well, I mean, I mean they they started with the Wii U. Like, there's, there's some functionality there that goes right. beyond gaming. So we'll see what they do with the NX. And we'll see how connective it is when it, when it's not in the dock right like are they gonna do you know wi-fi with it are they gonna try to leverage with some kind of shell carrier i really hope they don't but how how well does it work away from the television
0: right and also some of the stuff that the 3ds has done very well maybe maybe rolled into that you know street pass um Maybe cross-platform play. You never know. I could see that. True, but... Um, with the with the smaller titles, obviously not like with the bigger the stuff.
1: Games, yeah, I was going to say, considering the type of games that they, they're saying that they want to put on the console, I don't see it doing a whole lot of cross-platform with the, the 3DS.
0: Right, but I, you know what I, I view it as? Kind of what Sony did with the PlayStation Plus, when you were able to have PlayStation Plus and play the titles on your PSP, or on your console?
1: I think if they the were... The difference I see there, and I'm not saying that it can't work. Right. It's one of the things that I've said that they definitely need to implement is some kind of trophy system. Right. But um, I don't see DS titles translating over to the NX. I, I just don't. I mean, I know the screen is big enough to simulate two screens, but... I just don't see that working. Like they didn't do it with the Wii U, I don't see them doing it with the NX. They, I, I think they're going to try to keep the two separate. Separate. In okay. Sense. All right. Well, I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna hold you to it, and we'll uh, we'll definitely watch that over the coming weeks. Uh, I did want to mention the um, the announcements for free uh, titles for November on both uh, Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus. Uh, For Xbox, you're going to get, if you're on Xbox One, you get Super Dungeon Brothers, which I actually, I think, sent you some stuff about that. Also, Murdered Soul Suspect, which you'll be able to get starting November 16th to December 15th. Now, if you're on the 360, which some of you may not be at this point, uh, you're getting Monkey Island Special Edition, which is going to be available from November 1st to the 15th, and you're getting Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which I can finally play. Uh, November 16th through the 30th. That's one of those games that everybody talked about. I kind of lost sight of it. And now it's coming out for free on the PlayStation plus side. They're doing everybody's gone to Rapture on the PS4, the deadly tower of monsters on the PS4 dirt three on the PS3 costume quest on the PS3 letter quest remastered on the PlayStation Vita and also pumped BMX plus on the PlayStation Vita as well.
1: I highly recommend people download the Deadly Tower of Monsters. The um, I had been given that for review by the the um, developers, and I streamed it earlier this year. It's a lot of fun, especially if you enjoy cheesy B movies. It literally <laughs> is a cheesy B movie to play, right? And it, it just it's it's really fantastic. It was definitely worth, you know, purchasing. So if you can get it for free, absolutely. There you go. Everybody's going to Rapture. You know, I honestly haven't played it, so I don't want to do it too much. But I've seen a lot of the, and I do put this in quotes, gameplay. (laughs) Everybody's going to Rapture really isn't a game. It's a big tech demo because there's nothing that you do other than listen to the story. Right, so uh, it, it's a very pretty presentation. So again, it's free. So why not check it out? But everybody's on the Rapture is about as much of a video game as freaking Pokemon Snap. <laughs> All right. Um, the other thing something I want less. the other thing I wanted to
0: get into was something that came out recently, which was the announcement of Sony partnering up with uh, Razer and Nakan to actually create brand new pro controllers. Obviously, after seeing Microsoft's success with the Elite Gamepad, Sony is getting in on the action. Um, I think I, I've seen the designs. They look pretty cool. It's one of those things where it's always about preference. And, you know, I got the, the Elite Gamepad and I was... It's become my go-to. I mean, everything about it was good, minus the price point. You know, I received it as a gift, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain too much. But I, you know, I think if if the if it was fifty dollars cheaper, it would probably sell a lot more. But I also think that certain certain improvements from that elite controller have made their way into the Xbox One S controllers, as well as the custom the custom controllers you can order from Microsoft. So I'm curious to see what Sony's going to be charging for that. I mean, razor stuff is very good. You know, it's good quality stuff, but it is fucking expensive. So I'm definitely curious to see where it goes from a price standpoint, because obviously that's one of the things that is, that has hurt the, the elite controller. While it is very good, it's not, it doesn't have a very easy barrier of entry due to the price
1: point. Yeah, definitely send that information to me because you've heard me complain about as, as much as it is a good controller overall, the DualShock 4 has a rather shoddy build. Right. I and many, many PlayStation 4 owners have broken trigger buttons just because they, they're very easy to break. Well, it's they funny. They still work but they're broken.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because according to some of the improvements they're adding, it's going to be extra triggers and customization. Uh, You're going to be able to have trigger stops, which will allow you to utilize quicker firing, extra bumper buttons, uh, two extra detachable triggers, custom button mapping, custom profiles, removable analog sticks, and wired connectivity via a detachable USB cable. And in addition to that, they're also including a control panel built into the controller, you know, so you'll be able to mute headsets and do all that stuff. Um, The Nikon, which is, you know, their controller is called the Revolution. um, It's going to have customizable weight, which is very interesting, Uh, four button profiles, uh, a couple of shortcut buttons. It's going to have the left analog stick and D-pad, you know, being able to swap those Plus, instead of the two sticks being next to each other, they're offset like the Xbox controller, if you prefer that type of a setup. So, you know, there's definitely some some solid enhancements there for gamers like yourself who are unhappy with uh, the quality control issues
1: thus far. Nobody prefers the sticks offset. I'm not trying to shit on Xbox, but I the will... shock design... The dual-shot design has lasted four PlayStations for a reason. Right.
0: Well, I'm going to say this, and this is why I beg to differ, and the only reason I, I say this is because I got big fucking thumbs. So, um, for me, the, any first-person shooter games, I me personally, my personal preference is playing them on the Xbox platform. Like, I like the off-center analog controller for me. I feel that it's just more conducive to just the way my hand is built. Obviously, everybody's going to be different. I, I feel that the PlayStation controller is a better fighting game controller any day of the week uh, versus Microsoft's offering. Uh, you know I feel that the Elite controller definitely brings it closer in terms of usage in that particular genre but I do feel that Sony's layout and configuration is just much more user friendly from a fighting game standpoint, but from a, from a first person shooter standpoint, I do feel more comfortable utilizing <clears throat> the Xbox control scheme personally. Fair enough. Like, I just feel that the analog sticks being so close on the PlayStation c- controller for me, it just, it just doesn't feel natural again for me personally, as a matter of preference.
1: Okay,
0: But in any case, once I get additional uh, info, I, mean, I will send it your way. But uh, what'd you, what'd you want to add?
1: You know, I'm saying as far as first person, the most <clears throat> excuse me, you'll see me play is when a good adventure game comes out, like right. the shooters and For right. me,
0: Right, and that's, that's what I'm saying. So, it, you know, the usage scenarios are going to vary. I will say, though, and this leads me into the, the other piece I wanted to talk about, you know, Microsoft did their big announcement here in New York, which um, trying to get into, was like trying to get into Fort Knox. But um, a couple of things came out of that, which were obviously very telling of the direction Microsoft is going in. Uh, they created a Surface Desktop uh, PC, which looked incredibly beautiful from what I from what I saw, and from some of the people that I spoke to that went to the event. Um, they obviously boosted the juice on their Surface laptops which, um, their surface books, which looked tremendous. But the other thing which was interesting was they, you know, Danny and I were talking about this a while back about, about beams integration beam was the, uh, the Xbox or the Microsoft in-house streaming service that they acquired. Um, many people were curious as to why they weren't harnessing that power lately. And obviously that's one of the things that was mentioned at this announcement, you know, they're going to allow, in-game streaming with, uh, this new beam platform. And it's also going to be applicable to the desktop. So there's going to be, I got a decent amount of notes for it. I'm actually going to put a piece together just to break it down. And I think that Microsoft is, you know, positioning themselves in a very unique, in a very unique place. Obviously they're trying to bridge the gap between console and gaming. They're trying to make it one-stop shop in terms of, execution and gameplay and functionality so you'll be able to play a game on your laptop and continue that game on your console and stream it from your computer like they're they're definitely trying to create a lot of synergy between their products and i was i was impressed with what i saw obviously the them trying to compete with apple is always front and center and apple during their announcements today announced new macbooks which some people appreciated some people didn't um i actually like the they they have the oled strip on the top which adds different buttons depending on which application you're using so if you're using messages it'll have a button for emojis and if you're using you know things like photoshop it'll have uh certain shortcuts and certain things there certain one touch uh fixes that most people do with their mouse so i felt that there was definitely some stuff that apple was doing right but I also wanted to say, in short, that I felt that the innovation that we saw so much of when Steve Jobs was alive just wasn't there for me. Like, it's just, oh, we took off this port, and we put this port, and we added this, and it's cool, give us $2,000. You know, like, again, that's that's just my, my feeling on it. That's not to say that Apple isn't innovative, because they are. I just felt that they the last couple of products that I've seen, it just, it doesn't have the same spirited fire behind it. I guess
1: I I hear what you're saying, but But, um,
0: I commend Microsoft, man. They're, they're taking some risks. They got some wild shit coming out, man. They're really trying to go full steam ahead with, you know, unifying game, you know, their laptops, desktops and consoles under one system, which is,
1: you know, it's,
0: it's good and bad,
1: I guess. Sorry, I um I got a communication from somebody on one of the uh videos I put up and apparently there is no sound, so I need to fix that.
0: Oh uh, well, good to know.
1: Um <clears throat> but I you know, I as far as the computers, the the uh especially the portables, I, I don't stay as much up on that because like you said, give us two thousand dollars is like um I'll give you something else. How right. about that? But um, but the people that want it, you know, definitely go for it. And it, I I said what you were saying about the lack of innovation that that Apple has suffered since Steve Jobs passed, and it you know I I pretty much called it the, the moment he did pass, and it it is wearing its ugly head, but hopefully there's somebody within the company that will like really bring that back because I'm not saying Apple's in trouble. I don't think they're in trouble at all, but they really need to get that back.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, with the launch of the iPhone seven, which I I'll be honest after the note Four, after my note five fiasco and then the note seven situation, I, I said to myself, maybe, maybe it's time to go back to Apple. And I almost did. The only thing that stopped me was the fact that, and this, this is what shows how successful Apple is, is that the phones were sold out. Otherwise I would be saying that I went Uh back to Apple because obviously, you know, you and I, we, we've had our trials and tribulations with Samsung. We know what the deal is, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where I, I bought the, I took the replacement galaxy S seven edge and I felt not that I was forced to take that replacement, but I was just backed into a corner where I kind of just had to pull the trigger. I mean, you were, you were put in a similar situation recently where you had to replace your note seven and the device that you kind of wanted, you couldn't even get your hands on either. Exactly. So,
1: well, it, it wasn't that I, I couldn't get my hands on it. It's not out. Right. Or, Google released the Pixel, and they released the the standard, you know, just the Pixel. Right. And then they released the Pixel XL, but only in thirty two gigabyte, you know, capacity. Right. The one hundred and twenty eight gigabyte one
0: backorder. hasn't come out yet. And back ordered.
1: Make no, no, it hasn't come. It hasn't come out at all yet.
0: Oh, there was no back order because I heard that the reserves pretty much put that device on back order with the with pretty much the direction being that they'll be able to just fulfill the reserves when it comes out, but it'll be on back order once they're gone.
1: Right. The reserve orders are all from the pre-order from before it came out.
0: Ah, okay.
1: I went to Verizon stores the day that the the phone launched and they said, we did not, we only have the Pixel XL in 32 gigabytes. Right. Which I was like, why would you even make that?
0: Well, but you know that, what? It...
1: That, that was part of the main reason why <laughs> I, I um, needed to get rid of my Note 3 because it had a 32 gigabyte internal storage. Right. And it was done.
0: Well, you know, it's funny you say why that because. you make
1: a phone that. that no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that, your thought. I was like, why would you make a phone in 2016 that doesn't allow external storage and has only 32 gigabytes of space?
0: You know what's funny, and, and that and that's the thing. Everybody complained about that when Apple kept selling 16 gig phones for that precise reason. Obviously, third now people share that same issue with 32 gigs, and now you know 64 is kind of becoming the sweet spot. So you're either getting 32. In in this case, it was 32 and 128, no 64, but you know everybody felt that 32 was a sweet spot at the time because there were so many 16 gig device, you know, 16 gig uh, capable devices out there. Obviously, you know, numerous iPhones were released in 16 gigs for the longest. And, you know, it took it took a few years to move away from that. I I understand your challenges. I, I definitely do. Obviously, just because we've become so accustomed to massive amounts of storage. But for most people that are using, you know, the cloud and things like that, 32 is suffice. But for us that are, you know, in the power user set, there's definitely going to be a necessity for either expandable storage or something along the lines of 64 or 128. So I get where you're coming from.
1: It's crazy. I'll say this, though. It made absolutely no sense to me, but I'm not going to dwell on it either because, I mean... You look at it this way. I picked up the V20, the, the LG V20, right. because the standards, I mean, the only size they have is 64 gigs. Right. I've had the phone for two days. I really haven't put a lot of stuff on it yet as far as comparing it to what my Note 3 and my dead Note 7, <laughs> you know, had on them. Right. Well, that's what that's, you I know. looked at the storage. Right, which thankfully the one thing I will thank Samsung for is the two hundred and fifty six uh, gigabyte SD card they gave me. Right, which the V twenty works with, but the the internal storage, the phone storage, is already used over twenty gigs. There you go. And I, like I said, I've been I haven't really put everything on it. Right, because I was you know just. I wanted to make sure for one thing that I didn't have another milk seven situation on my hands. Of course. Without question. Cuz the V20 just came out 2 days ago. Right. No, I I I
0: totally get where you're coming from. I think um, you know, that's that's one of the things like I said, I almost I almost went back to Apple only because the even though they're not quote-unquote innovating, they're always reliable, you know?
1: Yeah, and they have a phone that has freaking 256 gigs of storage by itself.
0: You're right. I would have probably gone 128 in my case. Uh, 128 would have sufficed because I use a lot of cloud. I use a lot of the cloud stuff, so it's all good. All right, well, with with that said, you know, is there uh, anything
1: else you wanted to add? Yeah, just a couple of quick things I wanted to get out of the way. Um, all right. My notes. Uh, we spoke earlier about Pokemon Go. Pokemon go fans probably have noticed already, but uh, they are in the midst of a Halloween special Yep, where uh, the entire ghastly family, which is ghastly haunter and Gengar uh, along with drowsy and hypno. And um, I think a few others are appearing in mass. Like there, I saw a, a map, which, you know, on a side topic, the one of the um, trackers' fast poke is back up. Just in my area, like you know, I, I live right off of Parsons between Parsons and Sutton. There were like at one time, well over fifty Ghastly just just sitting there mm. at one time. So like when they say that Gasly has increased its appearance. No, it's everywhere. Ah, okay.
0: And you can also catch
1: ha- you. You can also catch Haunter and Gengar in the wild. Nice. Guess I gotta so boot that back if up. If You are playing, and you need some. And you need some Ghost Pokemon. Get them now while they're hot.
0: Yeah, Gengar is one of my favorites. I'll, the, um, I'll probably pop in to to try and catch
1: them. Yeah, man. Cool. The other thing is, um, Telltale has been. Telltale Games has been really heating things up, and I can't wait for November. If you have been on the fence about picking up the um, the Batman Telltale game, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the commercials everywhere. Absolutely. But episode episode three just dropped this this past Tuesday, and it's the, the story is just insane. They they really are diverting from. Like the the um, given Batman history is sort of like a like DC is Elseworlds, right? So sort of you can think of it like that because this is Batman's like early days and stuff. Right. And some characters still have you know similar origins. Some just they just really went out there. Like the end of the the third episode. I won't spoil anything. If you haven't seen it, you can check it out on my channel or play it for yourself. But you need to see it because it was just wow.
0: Nice. That's
1: a good way to describe it. Like, it, it really was, it was really, a out of left, left field surprise for the ending. And the last two episodes are going to be explosive for sure. That and we have, we're just a couple of weeks out from the, um, season three premiere of The Walking Dead for the, um, the telltale series which for me personally i i much prefer it to the tv show
0: <laughs> nice all right very cool
1: that's it anything else uh no i'm good for this week
0: there you go all right with that said um that'll that'll put the old the old cap on the gaming stuff for this week as a reminder if you're looking to pick up some games remember what i mentioned at the start of the segment, Target is going to be doing their buy two, get one free. I believe it is the weekend of November 6th. If I get additional details, we will share it on our Facebook group on for the RageWorks, obviously the RageWorks Facebook group, or on our Facebook fan page. And I'm sure Slick will also uh, make sure that you guys know about it as well. All right, homie. I appreciate the assist this week, as always. Much appreciated.
1: All right, I'll talk to you later.
0: You got it, brother. Peace.
1: That
0: was our very own Slick. His uh, his contributions always were welcome. He always has a, a finger on the pulse of certain things that kind of slip through the cracks during show prep, but um, definitely some good stuff there. Uh, get your hands on that Batman game, Slick. You know, or check out the streams on Slick's YouTube channel. Uh, it's it's a solid. It's a home run by Telltale, uh, much like they're walking dead series all right as i said that's going to conclude the gaming segment for this week let's switch gears jump into some entertainment news shall we Right, so first thing I want to get the ball rolling with is a five-minute movie review this week, and it is Ben Affleck's Accountant. Um, I got to see that movie during the break while we were off air. I still have a review that's going to be on RageWorks.net. I believe it should have been up earlier today, but obviously I'm a little behind on certain things. But I did get to check out The Accountant starring Ben Affleck and uh, Anna Kendrick. Uh, John Bernthal was also in the film. Uh, very good, really, really impressed with what, with the, uh, with the subject matter. Um, Ben Affleck plays, obviously, an accountant. Uh, Without giving too much away, I'll say that this accountant has a uh, high-functioning form of autism, and the film follows, uh, you know, him being an accountant and also being more than an accountant, obviously, uh, proficient in various firearms and uh, various weaponry and, and hand-to-hand combat. So he is more than meets the eye. Um, the film was very well done. I know a couple of people felt that the the story was a little disjointed, and I disagree. I felt that the, the the way that we learned about the the character's origins and how he came to be in the situation he was in by the time we got into the second and third act of the film... Were they were good, and as someone who you know has a family member with autism, I felt that the, that the representation was very very spot on in a lot of instances. I you know I was particularly impressed with the way that they they meshed that together. His you know a lot of his socially awkward cues and exchanges are pretty pretty commonplace. I mean I I see a lot of that stuff currently in my day to day. So. I was really impressed. I felt that the film not only re- did a, a good representation of that, but it was it was good. It was a very tightly woven story with a fair amount of good layering. I wasn't totally sold with Anna Kendrick as the, I, I guess, the damsel in distress slash love interest, but I felt that her inter her interactions with the character Ben Affleck was portraying were were really good. I'm just not a big fan of Anna Kendrick as an actress. And I felt that that movie was the tone was a lot was very serious for for a, for an actress like her. I felt that she's more uh, she she does better in comedies. In my opinion, I just felt that she seemed a little out of place. But I will say that her her chemistry with Ben Affleck was really good. I like I said I enjoyed the film if you get a chance check it out also look for the written review on rageworks.net for further details Um, of course we got Dr. Strange around the corner and that's going to be a day one trip to the theater and of course we will definitely 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 be reviewing that while we are on the subject of box office talk of course the box office totals from this past weekend um the number one slot belonged to Medea. I mean, those Medea movies are mindless, but they make a shitload of money. $27.6 million to take the number one slot. Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, came in at number two. I like the original film. I've heard mixed reactions to this second to the second film. Uh people felt that it was a little too uh too mindless for a character that, you know, who has such deep roots and in, you know, a series of, of various novels, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to side with either camp since I haven't seen it, but I saw the first film and I thought it was surprisingly well done. Uh, Ouija origin of evil came in the number three slot earning $14.4 million. The accountant was still in the number four slot, uh, earned an additional $14 million, bringing its total to 47.9. The girl on the train was number five. Miss Peregrine's home for peculiar children was number six keeping up with the Joneses came in at number seven and that movie was just it had dud written all over it and I thought it would fare a lot better than it did but clearly not Kevin Hart what now was number eight Storks was number nine and Deepwater Horizon was number 10 so uh, a pretty a pretty quiet weekend at the box office obviously with Halloween weekend, you know we're probably going to see an uptick of you know horror films like well, Ouija, Origin of Evil, getting a bit of a of a burst in terms of box office totals. I'm sure the Medea film will probably pick up a little more. Curious to see if there's, um, I believe there was something else dropping Friday that was another horror film uh, just in time for Halloween. Don't know offhand. Slick, can you do me a solid and check to see what films are coming out this Friday? I feel there was at least one or two horror films that we're going to be joining um, Ouija Origin of Evil in theaters. Just curious. Uh, In any case, you know, pretty quiet. I think uh, it's the calm before the storm before Doctor Strange comes in and just obliterates the box office next week. But we'll see what happens. The next bit of news is a little surprising, and it actually involves Willy Wonka of all characters. Verizon, uh, Verizon, (laughs) Variety is reporting that um, Warner Brothers has acquired the rights for the Willy Wonka character from Roald Dahl's Estate, and is developing a prequel for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. As many of you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory originally came out in 1971 with the amazing Gene Wilder uh, playing Willy Wonka. Later on, um, Tim Burton did his version with Johnny Depp. Uh, not sure how I feel about any sort of a prequel. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is, you know, it's, a, it's an iconic film. While I'm sure many of us are curious about the origins of Willy Wonka and why he was the way he was, I don't think it's enough for people to run out there and, and you know, drop box office dollars to see a, a prequel. And I also feel it's a little too late in the game for that, in my humble opinion. We got some Star Wars news this week. Uh, as many of you know, which obviously we didn't get to talk about last week, uh Donald Glover will be playing young Lando Calrissian in the upcoming solo uh Star Wars spin-off, the old, the well the it sounds so fucking wrong when you say it, the Han Solo Solo film. <laughs> in any case, Donald Glover will be playing Lando Calrissian. Um Alden Ehrenreich, which I talked about before, is going to be playing young Han Solo. I am I feel that the casting is very good. Donald Glover is a an extremely talented actor. I've caught a couple of episodes of Atlanta. Uh, my wife was a big community fan and I always felt that he was he was an incredibly underrated actor and he just has so much creativity. I mean, obviously as Childish Gambino, his, you know, his music persona, you can see a lot of that in the, in the music he puts out and I think that he is going to be He's going to be good. I mean, obviously, you're not going to recapture the magic of Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. But I think um, I think Donald Glover is going to knock it out of the park. That's that's for damn sure. On the Marvel side of things, we got a little bit of uh, angst on the Deadpool set with Tim director Tim Miller departing the series as director due to creative differences with Ryan Reynolds. A lot of different websites have reported on this story saying that um, Tim Miller wanted to do something more stylish, more, you know, effects heavy. And Ryan Reynolds wanted to do something a little bit more grounded, a little bit more dirty and gritty, you know, focusing on more of Deadpool's comedy elements. Um, Also, there was a lot of conflict because Tim Miller wanted Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights to portray Cable. And Ryan Reynolds disagreed with the casting choice. And of course, 20th Century Fox did side, allegedly, with Ryan Reynolds in regards to that casting. It's it's unfortunate. I felt that Miller and Reynolds were uh, a great duo and they did an amazing job with Deadpool. And of course, you know, with the amount of money that Deadpool brought to Fox and partially because of Ryan Reynolds' immersion into the role I'm not shocked that the studio was siding with him. I will say that the that the Kyle Chandler Cable casting I was not a fan of. I just I just felt he didn't he didn't look the part and he didn't have that grit that, you know, you associate with a character like Cable. Obviously, we've talked about guys like Stephen Lang, people have talked about actors like Liam Neeson, which I think is a bit of a stretch as Neeson is an older guy, but in any case, I just feel that cable. You need a guy that that can look good and be grizzled, and you know, just just a, a complete badass, but serious. Alongside uh, Ryan Reynolds' over the top Deadpool, and I just felt Kyle Chandler wasn't wasn't the guy. I I honestly thought that when that casting was announced, he was going to be a guy that would get lost in the shuffle. In any case, we don't know who the director is going to be for the de- for the Deadpool sequel. Um, a lot of people are pushing for Quentin Tarantino. I'm, 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 a big Tarantino fan. I like his work. I just don't think that something like Deadpool is going to, you know, benefit from Tarantino's magic touch, at least in my opinion. Uh, there's plenty of other guys out there. I think Tarantino, he, um, he's good, but I just feel that the superhero genre and him just won't mix well. At least that's my opinion on the matter. Again, once we get some updates regarding directors, we will share them with you guys. I kind of want to put the next bit of news in the in the what the fuck category and the what the you know, the, in the WTF movie news category. Uh, we're going to be seeing Knight Rider again. Uh, Justin Lin, who did Fast and Furious, is working with Machinima to create a new reboot of the Knight Rider series, which will be arriving in twenty seventeen. As many of you know, we've had a couple of different versions of Knight Rider. We had the original, which ran from 82, I believe, to 86. Then they did a sequel, which kind of borrowed from that, called Team Knight Rider, which I remember. I think that was in the 90s, maybe 95. And then they did another reboot in 2008, which was pretty solid. I actually thought that was one of the better better jobs they did with the series, but it fell apart. Uh, in any case, it looks like we're going to try once again with Kit and Michael Knight, either, you know, a brand new character or using the existing Michael Knight character name and just have a different actor, obviously not David Hasselhoff in the role. Again, Knight Rider comes to Machinima in 2017. Uh, the next bit of news, and this is, um, it's, it's crazy to, to be saying this. First, first piece of news is, the Friday the 13th reboot, or sequel, I don't even know at this point, is happening. Um, Brad Fuller and Andrew Form from Platinum Dunes told Collider that the Friday the 13th uh, will be filming the the sequel series. I don't even know at this point. It's it's had so many different changes. It's going to start filming for a release on October 13th, 2017. Um, listen... I've said this in, a, in, in numerous episodes. I'm a big horror movie buff. Love Friday the 13th. Love the Jason character. But leave it alone. It's it's incredibly difficult to capture what was so iconic in previous films in these new reboots. I mean, they tried to do it with the last one that had, um, I want to say it was the one with Jared Padalecki, I believe, was in it. And that was the reboot that they tried to do right around the same time when they tried to reboot Nightmare on Elm Street with um, the guy from Watchmen playing Freddy Krueger, which, again, both films, they were okay. They just didn't have that, that campiness and magic that made those two franchises iconic, in my opinion. I just felt it was lost. I mean, the same thing happened when there was discussion of rebooting Hellraiser and then the sequels that followed with other actors playing Pinhead and not Doug Bradley, you lost a lot of what made that character unique and special and what made the films as successful as they were not a hundred percent on board with another Friday the 13th. But like I've said before, these are films that are done with small budgets. Even if they make, you know, they break even or do a little better. And then you factor in home video releases. It's, it's easy to, to opt you know, to, to crank out films like this. So we'll see what happens. The release date on deck, of course, October 13th, 2017. Now, last bit of entertainment news is a little crazy. Um, goes back to something from my childhood. Uh, growing up in the eighties, I used to watch, uh, you know, obviously all the broadcast channels and, and their associated cartoons, but on CBS, they used to do CBS story break, which would air at 12 PM. But at 11 a.m., usually 10 or 11 a.m., they would air Muppet Babies, which um, obviously had all of Jim Henson's iconic characters as children uh, being taken care of by Nanny, who we never saw. We just saw her striped stockings, and that was it. And the, the cartoon ran for a long time. I mean, if I remember correctly, I think it was I remember watching that cartoon from age five and up and i think it ran from 85 into into 90 91 i want to say at least 90 i remember at least watching it for, for for till i was of of decent age in any case it looks like we're going to be seeing the muppet babies once again uh tv line is reporting that disney junior is working on a cg animated reboot of the muppet babies of course following all your favorite muppet characters as children uh the new series similar to the original series obviously is going to aim at grabbing the four to seven year old demographic. And each episode is going to have two 11 minute stories in which the babies obviously use their imaginations to get themselves out of different situations. I, you know, watching that cartoon growing up, there was so many crazy things because they did a lot of, you know, movie parodies. One of my favorites was the star Wars movie parody that they did I thought that was really cool as a kid uh, Indiana Jones with Kermit the Frog as indie uh, just really cool stuff and there was always positive messages good stories the way it was you know when we were growing up not to say that cartoons don't do that now but I always felt that Muppet babies and some of the other cartoons when we were growing up just really drove the point home of you know instilling value certain values and and various things on on children growing up so As a fan of the series when I was a kid, I'm I'm curious to see how new generations respond to this cartoon. Um, You know, it's going to be in CG. And I'm curious, like I said, I'm curious to see, obviously, how they're going to present it, how the characters are going to look. And hell, if we're going to even see Nanny uh, as the the, you know, the parental figure in this instance. I know that they're also going to be doing a DuckTales reboot, which I believe is going to be on Netflix So everything that's old is new again, folks. In any case, once I get an air date for the upcoming uh, Muppet Babies reboot, I will definitely share that with you guys. In any case, that last bit of entertainment news wraps up the entertainment segment for this week's episode of My Take Radio, as well as the show itself. So I've given you guys my take on gaming, entertainment, and even a little tech. As always, I'd love to hear yours on all all of these topics that we've discussed, feel free to reach out. If you're on Twitter, you can do it directly at my take radio or at rage underscore works. If you're on Facebook, look for us there, become a fan, join the rage works group, interact with myself, slick. And the rest of the staff of, of rage works, as well as our listeners and readers and viewers, whichever, whichever category you fall into. And as always, you can find us on other social media platforms, including Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, Google+, uh, anything else? I, I think that's it. Uh, I was going to say Vine, but Vine is kind of dead, so pour one out for Vine. Uh, in any case, look for us there. Links for all the social media platforms will be found in our show notes. As for this episode, it will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio within 24 to 48 hours. And video will be available on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com forward slash official RageWorks. If you have the official My Take Radio app, which you can pick up for one ninety nine for Android or iOS devices, you will of course get access to the show uh, slightly early uh, before it gets released to the general public. One of the perks of having the app. If you haven't picked it up, you can head, like I said, to either the the Google Play Store or iTunes and pick it up for $1.99. Of course, it helps us out as usual. All right. With that said, that is going to conclude this gaming and entertainment edition of MTR. Join us next week at 1130 PM Eastern, 830 PM Pacific for the MMA and wrestling edition of my take radio. And of course, if you want your gaming and entertainment fix, join us next Thursday at 1130 PM Eastern, 830 PM Pacific. On behalf of myself and Slick and the rest of the crew, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching.
1: Peace.